If you have a Bible with you today, here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn with me to a passage of scripture that we were in last week, as known as the book of Lamentations. And I said something last week. I, I said the psalmist by accident, and then I said King Solomon by accident. I, I don't want to confuse anybody. As I went back and was studying throughout the week, I got convicted. I just want to clarify the record. This is neither a psalmist. This is neither King David. This is neither King Solomon. This is Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. You say, why was, why was Jeremiah called the weeping prophet? Man, you would have not wanted the message that God called him to preach. <laughs> We all like preaching that message of hope. We all like preaching that message of God's grace and mercy and restoration and God's not done. It was a long time before Jeremiah got to preach any of that. And the reason he couldn't preach any of that is because the people's hearts wouldn't turn. And they remained stiff-necked and hard-hearted in their ears closed to the message of God and they kept persisting in rebellion they kept moving away from God and Jeremiah keep being sent, kept being sent with a word from God to tell them you're going the wrong way judgment's coming your captivity's in, in, in it's on the way God's God's not pleased with this your, your doom is coming it's it's and, and every time he would preach a message people would beat him they would throw him in waterless uh, bottomless hits, uh, well shafts, I mean they did, and Jeremiah would get a word from the Lord and then he'd argue with God, he'd say, God, I'm not going to preach your word no more. Every time you give me a message, it's a nasty message, it's a negative message, and then when I go tell those people that don't want to hear it, they do horrible things to me. I don't want to, and so he would just weep. He was torn between God and people's public opinion. He was a weeping prophet. So one of his books that he wrote was called the Book of Lamentations, and it's the book of tears, it's the book of his weeping, it's the book of his crying. But how many of you have learned this and discovered this about the God that we serve? When our hearts, when our lives, when our minds finally get to a place to where we're still, we're ready to receive, we're broken, and the message of God starts coming in about change and about conversion and about repentance, that, that when that message finally starts coming and we finally start allowing that word to be accepted in our lives and for that word to produce, all of a sudden the message goes from judgment, the message goes from anger, the message goes from, from, from impending danger to one of hope and restoration and forgiveness and renewal. And then so all of a sudden when the people of Israel, the people of Judah, when they finally started allowing the word of God to work in them, Jeremiah writes this passage of scripture in Lamentation chapter 3 verses 22 through 24. It was our jumping off point last week. It's going to be again our jumping off point today. Such a beautiful scripture. I challenged everyone here last week to never view the rising of the sun ever the same. After this word becomes illuminated and alive in your life, I want you to see every sunrise, every day of your life. It doesn't matter if it's 107 degrees and you know today is going to be hot because it's August in Louisiana. It doesn't matter if it's gray and dreary and foggy like it is today. It doesn't matter if there's a thunderstorm, if it's cold weather. As soon as you see the first glimmer of the sun pop out of the clouds, as soon as you see that sunrise, I want you to always forever see it as a reminder of what Jeremiah said it should represent in each of our lives. He said, the faithful love of the Lord endures forever. It never ends. His mercies never cease. When men run out of patience with you, when people run out of time for you, they are totally different than God. The faithful love of the Lord, it never ends. His mercies never cease. Jeremiah said, great is thy faithfulness. You thought somebody wrote that. 
They wrote it from the word. He said, great is your faithfulness, O God. His mercies begin afresh each morning, Jeremiah said. Every time I see the sunrise, every time it pops one little sun ray through the dark clouds, all of a sudden it's a reminder to me that God is faithful, that God's not done with me, that God loves me, that God's for me. So Jeremiah said, so then I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore, I will always hope in him. I may not can hope in my bank account. I may not can hope in my boss. I may not can hope in my children. I may not can hope in my wit or my connections, but I can forever, eternally, always hope in the Lord. But great is his faithfulness and his mercies. They are new morning by morning and day by day. Father, today I've already gotten excited. Your word just does that to me. What an incredible time of worship we had today with Pastor Chad and the house band and the worship team. What an incredible crowd of people you've drawn together here today. And it is such an honor for Oaks Church to be planted in Northeast Louisiana. It's such an honor for Oaks Church to get to serve our communities, to get to give and to pour out through our outreaches and through our missions. God, it's such an honor to see new ministries stand up. It's an honor to love on these people today and to be their pastor and to pour into their lives and to pray for them and to see you do a new work in each and every one of their lives. God, here's, here's my prayer today. It's not for me. My prayer is for them. My, my prayer today is that every heart that needs to hear your word would hear the word they need to hear. That every marriage that's struggling, that every marriage there's tension in, every relationship there's trouble in, every person that's under depression, every person that's running the wrong way away from you with blinders on in this world, every person that believes they're hopeless, God, every person in this room that needs something from you today, joy, a spark, a kick forgiveness mercy warning God I pray you would do that today through your word unlike any other time in their lives I ask it today in the holy name of Jesus according to your will by your spirit and I wish the Oaks Church family would give God a great big amen if you want him to do anything close to that today in this house you know I had said last week that Um, as we were working our way through this first installment of Holy Habits that um, I was just going to stop very initially in my comments that 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 in other words I wasn't going to take us all the way through the message and and I didn't understand totally why I did that last week Uh, I'll just be honest with you Having been a pastor for a long time, having visited hospitals and done weddings and stood in many pulpits and led staff meetings and spoken publicly in front of people, over the years, it's like anything else, you, you learn some things about it. And, and when I was young, if I had all these notes and all these ideas, I would fall in love with the information and because I knew it and understood it and had studied it up or read it up or prayed it up, I wanted you to get it. So even when the, the, the anointing would lift it and even when the, the time had expired on the clock, I would just keep on and keep on and keep on and people would stay because they loved me or they felt trapped or their kids were held hostage. I don't know. But over the years, I, I finally got to a place where, where I realized when, when, that, when that lifts in the moment, it, it, it's, good, it's better to leave people needing and wanting more than leaving and saying they had too much. And, and, and so I just, I just felt like I should pull back in that moment. I felt like we had had a great time in God and the Holy Spirit was moving and we were all at a place of decision. And, um, 
as I walked away and got a couple of days into the week, it dawned on me meeting with the staff that so many of our regulars, so many of God's people were not able to be here. Maybe you were traveling, maybe you had stayed out the night before, maybe you were still enjoying the holidays. It, it kind of felt weird this year. On Sunday to Sunday, I really and truly felt like we didn't have much of a break, just the way it happened maybe around that, that Sunday to Sunday. So there's no telling what you were doing and there's no shame in you not being here. But as I left, I, uh, I got to thinking, I said, man, there was so much that was shared or that was going to be shared that everybody really needs to hear. Maybe that's why the Lord kind of held me up so that you could be here this week. We, we put great effort, great thought into what we are doing to start this year to help you get off on the right start. It's not always how you start, how you finish, but how many of you know if you could make a good start, it's probably worth trying to make. It's, it's important to finish well, but it's also to start well if you can. So this, this morning, I'm gonna do um, something that I try not to do a lot, and, and that is to, to just kind of walk those people that are here today that weren't with us last week in a small form, a little bit of a synopsis, walk you through a, a little bit of what we talked about, and, and then we're just gonna move on into to, to everything uh, that God's placed in my heart for the remainder of this message, this first installment of Holy Habits. We talked about last week this, this scripture, Lamentation, speaking this one overarching central truth that when the sun comes up every day, it should remind you that there are new mercies for you today, that, that God is faithful, he's unlike a man, and that you can trust in him unlike anything else. And if the sun is shining in the sky, it should always be a reminder of a, of a covenant between God and man to you that he has new mercy for you today. How many of you see a rainbow in the clouds and you go, oh, that's a, that's a reminder, that's a covenant. Does anybody even know what that's a reminder of? <laughs> I got news for you. God already chose the rainbow a long time ago before somebody else tried to get their hands on it and, and, and rebrand it. It is a reminder of, of a covenant and it's a, it's a promise, it's a covenant. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna drop something here. I'm gonna drop this, see how it goes. It's a reminder and it's a covenant that in last day's teachings, how many of you are interested in last day's teachings? Let, let me see your hand. Okay, all right, that's why I don't do last day's teaching, because it's four of y'all. <laughs> if a thousand of, if everybody would have raised their hand, we'd have been doing last days next month. <laughs> just, just kidding. But in the last day's timeline, which is known as eschatology, um, that, that God has made a promise that any judgments ever coming on this earth will never be by water again. He'll never flood the earth. All right? So, so I want you to know that when you see that rainbow, it mentions, it means that when God's judgment, when God's anger, when he finally has to bring the world into account, that he's never gonna, he's never gonna bring that with water. He's, he's done with that. <laughs> and you think, oh man, great God. No, cause see the next time he's not gonna use water, he's gonna use fire. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> That's like your mama saying, hey, if you don't get that right, I'm gonna spank you with your hand. And then you say, but if you don't listen to me that time, I'm going to spank you with the belt. Brooke called me yesterday and she said, John. And I started racing in my mind. I was like, oh my goodness. I was like, what did I do? What did I leave out? What did I, what, who did I forget? What did I, who did I not email? What, what is, I just, it, it, like my whole life flashed before my eyes in those 30 seconds. John, if your dog does this one more time. I'm going to kill him. Kill. And I said, baby, 
my dog don't I'd leave my dog alone but I knew what she was saying is is it is we have we've gone from oh don't do that to oh now she's saying I'm gonna go in there and get a shotgun I'm gonna shoot your dog if he ever she was trying to put him on the chain and he decided that he would snip at her and she's so and now y'all want to kill my dog see see it's only natural it's only natural it's how that thing kind of ratchets up well this covenant you thought I was on a rabbit trail Jeremiah comes back the weeping prophet who always has a negative Nancy message but when the word started working mightily in the people's heart and the people started responding adequately and appropriately turning to God with remorse and repentance and tender hearts and getting their lives in line then all of a sudden Jeremiah starts preaching a new message and he starts saying listen let me tell you something there's something that comes from God after judgment it comes after rebuke it comes after correction it is the mercy of God it is the forgiveness of God it is the grace of God it's restoration from God and he said matter of fact tomorrow Israel even if you wake up in Babylon even if you wake up in captivity even if you wake up in prison even if you wake up in a halfway house or a three-quarter house even if you wake up in the midst of the divorce even if you wake up in the midst of the bankruptcy if you look outside and the Sun is in the sky may it be an eternal reminder to you that God has new mercy for you today he's not done with you he's faithful and he will heal and restore and bless you so when you see that sun in the sky just know that yeah he will ratchet it up <laughs> you don't want to live right he'll, he'll straighten you out just keep living I've lived long enough to know that God sees everything <laughs> You think you get away with stuff and do stuff and sneak around with stuff and think stuff. Listen, God sees who you hiding it from. God sees it all. Only person we end up fooling is ourselves. The Bible says we deceive ourselves. We trick ourselves into believing a lie. God sees it all. He will straighten you out. He's got his ways. Don't name the name of God and think you're going to go live like woe. Because <laughs> he won't let you. <laughs> You'll be that one. I wish I could tell you, I know so many people in this room. I know your lives, I know your stories. I've spent time with so many of you and so many people in here have said to me, well, if that happened, it was five of us together. Trust me, I'd be the one that got caught. <laughs> I ain't gonna tell you who, move on. That's a sign that God has his hand on you. That's a sign that God's got a call on you. That's a sign that you're Jonah, that when everybody else could get away, that everyone else could go with the flow and the flood of dissipation of the world. You were the one that got pulled over. You were the one that got caught. You were the one that got found out. You were the one that got in trouble. That's because God in his mercy and his grace was protecting you and trying to pull you like Jonah out of the belly of the whale back into your divine purpose and calling in life and sometimes he'll even use drastic measures and when he does and you finally humble yourself and get right you'll look out there one day and that Sun will be shining in the sky and it's a covenant to you that after that correction comes if you respond appropriately his mercy's on the way in your life his restorations on the way People say, well God, well, God seems schizophrenic. He's angry here and then he's happy there. No, listen, God is, God is constant. God's not schizophrenic. God's not bipolar. I'm going to just help you understand this in the Bible. God is always unrelenting to the unrepentant. And God is always merciful 
to the repentant. That's the, that's the answer to the riddle. If you want to see God angry and vengeful and judgmental, it's because people have been unrelenting and unrepentant. If you see God's mercy and his kindness and his blessing, it's because man has bowed his knee to his creator and said, I submit as the creation to your divine will and order for my life and God's mercy comes. As we were walking through this last week, I asked this one question. So, so I've actually already preached a great sermon at about Lamentations 3, and I don't mean great in delivery, I mean great in context, great in theology, great in doctrine. That's solid, what I just taught you there. Really probably don't have to go much further, but there's a whole lot more that I want to get into. I asked the congregation last week at Oaks Church, was there any example in the scripture besides Lamentation 3 where we see some form of daily provision from God that would validate this teaching in Lamentation? Because the Bible says we shouldn't build doctrine, we shouldn't build theories about God and his word. We shouldn't build truths and keys and principles about God unless it has a reference of two or three to validate it. You, you don't just take one scripture and try to make it fit some scenario in your life. You need to see that teaching and that doctrine, that truth repeated. It's got to be established two or three times to say this is the intentionality of God for humanity and the earth. Well, I, when I asked that question, I said, well, you know, I studied it up this week and I found an answer there. There actually is an example in scripture where God daily provided for the people. It was in the children of Israel's journey when they were coming out of Egypt. I'm not going to go deep into this. Go back. Listen, side note, Oaks Church has Instagram. Oaks Church has Facebook. Oaks Church has a website. It's all simple. Oaks Church LA. Oaks Church has a YouTube channel, and for those of you that have asked and missed this, Oaks Church even has its own podcast, just like Stephen Furtick, just like Judas Smith, just like Jensen Franklin, just like T.D. Jakes. Just go to your Apple store, download Oaks Church LA, and you can listen to every message. Go back, listen to last week's message and in-depth teaching about the children of Israel. But when they were coming out and they were on their wilderness journey, God didn't just take them out of bondage and into their promised land. God said, I've got you out of Egypt, but now I've got to get the Egypt out of you. And so what he did is he told him, he said, I know you're going to be hungry and I know you're going to need provision. So here's what I want. I want you to wake up every day, look out the front doors of your tent and there's going to be manna from heaven on the ground. Go and collect it, but always collect enough just for your needs today. Don't go out there and be greedy. Don't go out there and be selfish. Don't go out there and try to store it up because here's what he knew about the human heart. He said, you'll go get two or three days worth of bread and put it in your little cupboard because you're lazy and then you won't want to depend on me tomorrow. You'll want to depend on your cupboard. He said, there's only going to be bread for today. And he said, then I know you're going to need some meat and I'm going to make quail fly in under a sheet of glass. Now, does anybody remember what I said right here last week? Does anybody remember what I said last week? That, that I went on an outdoor excursion with a very dear friend of mine, like a dad to me, and, I, and I, I gave you a report that he didn't do very well. I was worried about his eyesight. He told me he was being kind and letting the kids shoot. It was Mr. Charles Brown. We was duck hunting. Well, I got news for you to report. He's doing better. He's shooting a lot of ducks, but now it's Jeff Edwards. I don't know what in the world's going on. He said he was letting Corey shoot. He said he was going to let me shoot other people, but I mean, Jeff, we got to get you a new shotgun, got to help you out because, brother, you can't hit the broad side of a barn. <laughs> All right, I'm going to pay for that one later. Sorry, that was meant to be fun. So the quail was flying in. I'm just kidding. I told him I get the microphone on Sunday. You can say what you want in the halls. I'm going to tell my story how I want to tell my story on Sunday morning. 
The ducks gonna fly in so low, even Jeff could hit them. Just kidding. They was flying in so low, the children of Israel would go out there and they would, I don't know why I did that, I got myself. That Starbucks coffee was so strong. I got myself, it help me Holy Spirit, dig out of this hole. This quails were flying in and he said, go out there and get the quail. Get the quail and bring it in, and every day you'll have bread from heaven and you'll have meat to eat. And every day I want you to go out there and depend on me. So when the sun comes up tomorrow, I want you to know the scripture reference that says when it comes up in the sky that that is a sign from God. Like Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. That everything you need from God today in your marriage, everything you need from God today in your business, everything you need from God today in your parenting, everything you need from God today in your sobriety, everything you need from God today in your feelings, your mind, your it is in this day. Don't worry about tomorrow. There'll be sufficient provision tomorrow. There'll be troubles for tomorrow. Live in the moment today. Everything you need, God will provide it in his faithfulness right now. And it took the children of Israel, which should have been a 40-day journey, it took them 40 years because it took them that long to learn to depend on God. So then I asked a question. I said, okay, if if that's how it worked for the children of Israel and they had to learn daily dependence on God, is there any references in the scripture that in the New Testament, God has done the same for us? And the truth of the matter, it is. They're very simple. I'm not going to get deep into them today. Just go back and listen to last week's message on any platform of your choosing. Number one, church family, if you were here last week, what does God give each of us, each of us on this planet daily as a reminder of his provision? Creation. Creation. Psalm 19 says that day after day, Night after night, creation speaks without ever saying a word. That creation speaks in the language that has no barriers. That creation attests that it is a creation, so therefore it is a creation of a creator. And the creator that made this creation speaks through the glory and the beauty and the majesty and the splendor of creation every day to us that we are not alone. Secondly, the Apostle Paul comes back and he echoes that message of the psalmist in Psalm 19. And he says, yes, creation speaks daily. He said, but God left himself with another witness. This is general revelation to all people. Tokyo, China, India, Somalia, everybody on the planet has creation speaking to them that there is a God. But God even went deeper and he put a conscience inside of every man and that conscience speaks to all men there's no true atheist on the planet there's no true agnostic on the planet the bible says that god has revealed himself to all men inside of them bearing witness of himself that he exists and there is a difference in up and down left and right and right or wrong but men suppress that truth women suppress that truth they deny what can be known of god and they claim for themselves to be God or something else to be their God and they exchange the truth of God for a lie everybody every day no matter if you go to church never been to church listen to a podcast can shoot ducks not shoot ducks see how I slid that in there right there trying to make that lie no matter who you are or what you do everybody has a conscience and that conscience speaks inside of you to that the fact that there's a God 
watch this. You, you, you want to argue that with me? It's a great book. I would, I would, I would dare you to get this book. Uh, 10 Most Common Misconception of Christianity. And when it deals with the, the misconception that all men don't have a conscience, it will walk you back through all ages of time, all civilizations that have ever existed, all governing bodies of legal documents that there has never been a society that endorsed or allowed child pedophilia. Because every conscience inside of every man, no matter what they knew of God or did not know of God, knows that's wrong. There's one more. All of those that I just gave you, they're general revelation. What I mean by general revelation, you can live on the south side and those are free of charge. You can live in North Monroe, those are free of charge. You can live in Arkansas, you can live in Minnesota, you can live in Montana, you can live in Canada, you can live in Russia, you can live in Ukraine. Everybody on the planet gets those general forms of revelation, God revealing himself to man for free. But then God goes through great lengths over centuries of time with over 200 different authors to allow us, somebody hand me a Bible right now today. Miss Rhonda, those Bibles, we talked about her in the green room back there. God went through such great lengths to ensure that this book of divinely inspired scripture, this God-breathed word written by hundreds of men that never knew each other, they lived in different geographical locations, but they wrote one letter. There's a scarlet thread from Genesis to Revelation, the anvils of time have beat upon this word. The ideologists have beat upon this word. The secularists have beat upon this word. And this word has been left constant and sure. The rock remains the same, but the hammers and the anvils of all time periods have found themselves worn out and they are nothing compared to the eternal truth of this word. And God now in special revelation, special revelation, God went through special links to breathe not demonically possessed God didn't make a man's hand start going that's called mechanical dictation that's not how this book was written stay away from anything that possesses you amen right stay away from anything and anybody says well I was out of control I don't know what was happening I was no 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 come on up here James 5 16 let them call for the elders of the church they'll pray the prayer of faith and anointing with all and we will break that stuff off of you in the name of Jesus and get all that possession all that oppression off of you what you want to be as a Christian is inspired what you want to be as a Christian is God breathed upon what you want to do is have a fire in your bones like Jeremiah what you want to do I still want to have my personal Personality. I still want to have my wit. I still want to be funny. I want to have jokes. I want to have friends. I want to make fun. I want to live life and I want to be all that but with a little breath of God on me that makes me holy, that makes me pure, that makes me righteous, that makes me compassionate and gracious. I want that inspiration from God on my life. It's what you want and God breathed that on all of these men. Give you a challenge. Is there any chapter in this book written in any other language. Old Testament's written in Hebrew. 
New Testament's written in Koinonia Greek. You say, well, why did Jesus speak Greek? Why did the Jews speak Greek? Because they were Jewish people. It's called the Hellenistic period. Alexander the Great conquered the world. He forced the Greek language and the Greek currency on all people that he Hellenized. He put under his control. It was a sign of his dominance over them, their submission. So all Jews in the New Testament times after the Greco Empire gave way to the Roman Empire, they still spoke Greek. Could you imagine Russia coming and taking over America? And your grandchildren don't speak English anymore? They speak Russian? That's what happened. Is there any chapter in this book written in any other language? (laughs) There's one half a chapter in the book of Daniel, chapter (laughs) 4. And Nebuchadnezzar himself, after he walked out in Babylon, and he said, look what I have built with my own hands. (laughs) And the Lord smote his mind. And the Bible says that he became like an animal for seven and a half years. He lived out in a field and he ate grass and his fingernails grew like eagle talents and his hair grew long like birds' feathers. And he became a madman. And after seven and a half years, he looked up to heaven one day and he said, you are the true ruler of all of the world. You are the true creator of all creation and God restored his mind and when Nebuchadnezzar came back to Babylon he wrote one half of a chapter in Daniel in Aramaic and you ought to go read it (laughs) he said anybody that thinks he's something a bowl of chips and a bag of grits you ain't nothing because I met the man who made us all and made it all and he alone is God and all men should worship him and he issued a decree in all of Babylon that everybody in Babylon check this out should worship a Jewish God. Didn't learn that in the history book, did you? This Bible speaks to us every day. This Bible, God has gone through great lengths to give us this scripture. Check this out. Is is inspired. I'm going to show it to you. I, I put together, our team put together. We have a great team. Let's, let's hear it for the Oaks Church team. They put together... Man, just the most incredible manual that we've ever put together as a group of people um, to start our years together. How many of you are working your, 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 your plan already this week? Come on, raise your hands. Don't lie in church. You know what happens. Acts chapter 5, you lie in church. God may strike you did. Don't lie in church. I'm just kidding. Raise your hand if you're working the plan. Listen, we, we bought and printed hundreds of these. In here, there are yearly reading plans. There are fasting guides. I mean, there's just all kind of stuff in here. Prayer guides. A lot of information, but, but what we talk about in here is not only getting people to a place of decision to put the scriptures in their lives. See, you don't have no choice. When you go outside, creation speaking, you just may not be listening. See, you don't have no choice. You wake up every day, and if you wake up, you wake up with a conscience, but here's what the Bible also tells us. We get good at sinning, and we, we harden our conscience until it becomes like a callus. Anybody got any calluses in here? Anybody got any counsel? You know, you go out there when you got little young, soft, tender hands and you work a set of post hole diggers, you come back with a, with a whole handful of blisters. You get around somebody that works every day and they work in them post holes and you over there looking for a pair of gloves. Because they got calluses on their hands. That's what happens to our hearts. You get good at lying, your heart gets hard. You get good at manipulating, your heart gets hard. You get good at deceiving, your heart gets hard. You get good at cussing, you get good at cheating, you get good at embezzling. Anything you want to do, you get, any, you, get, you, you get out there and you start mistreating and your heart gets hard. And it, it don't hurt. How many of you remember the first time you said a cuss word after you got born again? 
Raise your hand. I just got all y'all Christians to admit y'all cuss. <laughs> Bunch of cussing Christians. Come on, let's be real in church, man. Come on. If we can't be real here and love one another here, let's do what we say we're going to do at Oaks Church. Let's preach the truth and realize we're all human and give each other grace. Amen. I celebrate your redemption story. I celebrate that you're a work in progress. I celebrate you still have a temper. I celebrate the fact that you might jump out at a red light and want to throat punch somebody after they cut you off in traffic. I don't want you to do it, but I like the fact that you still feel that inside of you because that lets me know I can preach to you because I feel it too. Amen. Amen. This Bible has a way of speaking to us in a greater capacity than creation does. It has a way of speaking to us in a greater capacity than our conscience do because we can, we can deny God in creation. We can harden our conscience to the conviction of God. But this scripture, if you'll take two minutes and you'll start reading this word. You know what I got last week? Somebody said to me, and they were so sincere. Well, I, re I don't know what it says. Pastor Todd, I got an answer for you. You need a life group. <laughs> I can show you in scripture, it was my Bible devotional this morning because I'm reading this plan myself. It ain't something I typed up and asked you to do that I'm not doing. I was in Matthew 22 today and there was an Ethiopian eunuch under the rulership of Candace and he had gone up to Jerusalem to worship and he had a lot of money and he bought the book of Isaiah as a scroll and he's riding in his cart on his way back to Ethiopia and he's reading Isaiah like many of you and he says, I don't have no idea what in the world I am reading. And Philip was called over by the Spirit of God next to his traveling caravan. He said, sir, do you understand what you're reading? And that man said, I don't have no idea what I'm reading. Is this about, is this about you? Is this about Isaiah? Is this about somebody else? And Philip got up there in that cart with him and he started explaining the book of Isaiah, preaching the gospel, showing him the Messiah until all of a sudden the Ethiopian unit cut him off at point two and said, there's a mud hole right there. Can we just get out and I get baptized right now? Because I think I got the memo. If you don't understand the Bible, get around somebody that does. Get in a life group. Go to the men's ministry meeting with Mike Smith. Get on the website. Get in one of these recovery groups. Get in one of the women's Bible studies. Lord, we even teach you the Bible while we're showing you how to dance, I believe, this trimester, right? We'll teach you how to run and learn the Bible. We do it all. You come to CrossFit with the pastors, we'll talk about the Bible. Get around somebody that understands it. If you got a Bible you don't know how to read, put it on the coffee table as a conversation piece, but go online, get with us. Let us buy you a plain spoken layman terms Bible that you can actually read and understand. You gotta get something from this word. It don't matter if it's two sentences, two paragraphs, or two chapters. Make a decision to spend time in this word. This word will speak to you in a way that your wife can't, that your children can't, that I can't, that your small group leader can't. This word is alive and breathing and active. It's powerful. It's sharp. Matter of fact, here, here's, a, here's a little small study plan. This is, this is, how, this is what I use. This, it don't matter if you're reading a little bit or a lot. This is how I want you to study this year. Number one, they're going to put this on the screen. I want you to start. Oh, well, that'd be good too. Maybe you're a digital person and you're not a book person, you can scan that and that'll take you to a reading plan as well. But after 
you, uh, I see what you did, Jared. You slid that in there on me because you made that. You was like, oh, pastor, I want you to tell people about this. Okay. I see. All right. You proved your point. No, 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 no. Number one. Number one. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to write this little anacronym in your notes. And here's the anacronym. SOAP. S-O-A-P. How many of you know we all need a little soap? I heard one of y'all say, some people more than others. That's why I move seats. Just kidding. We all need a little soap in our lives. And I want you to know the S in the SOAP acronym stands for Scripture. Put this, put this Scripture up on the screen. Let me show you about how powerful Scripture is. But you must remain faithful. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, yeah. To the things that you have been taught. This is Paul talking to Timothy. But you must remain faithful to the things that you have been taught. You know they are true. For you know, uh, for you, know you can trust those who have taught you. For you have been taught the holy scriptures from your childhood. Do you know where those kids are at back there? Stand up, sir. You, you know who this guy is? Anybody know who this is? That, that's who? Jonathan Kirkland. Who is this? That's PC. PC's done become a hero. This is the children's pastor of Oaks Church. I, I didn't say the child director. I didn't say the child babysitter. I said the guy that studies every week like I, he's up here preaching. Do you preach messages back there to their little spirits like I'm up here preaching every week? Do you go to teen challenges, take as many guys as want to go down there and preach to those guys Friday nights every month? This guy is the preacher of the gospel to the children so that your kids will one day be able to say, put the scripture back up on the screen, that they have been taught the scriptures from their youth from their adolescence and Paul tells Timothy you've been taught these things and you know you can trust in them you know they're true here's what he goes on to say about this word of God and they have given you the wisdom to receive salvation that comes from trusting in Jesus Christ now as I said last week I'm going to say one more time most of us believe that salvation and conversion is answering an altar call raising our hand filling out a church card getting our names written in the Lamb's book of life and then we can go live like twice the child of hell that we want to for the rest of the days and then we've got this perversion in doctrine called eternal security that no matter what we do here in this life with our faith that we're safe there on the other side of the here blue yonder that is not true the scripture says right here leave it up on the screens plain media boot please media boot that these scriptures if you guard them if you protect them if you obey them if you move towards them if you walk towards them they will ensure that when you step over into eternity you will then receive the salvation that you've been promised by God, you will receive. All scripture is inspired by God and it's useful. Don't check out on me now. Scripture is useful to teach us what is true. How many of you know you gotta, you, you've gotta, leave it on the screens, please. You've got a propensity, a human propensity to exchange truth for a lie. Right, right. Just accept that. We all have a human propensity to take what is true and set it on the side so we can embrace and grasp a lie. But it's constantly going to the word like a mirror day by day in our lives where God's given us daily provision. The sun speaks to us every day. Creation speaks to us every day. Conscious speaks to us every day, but we may not be listening. Hello, 
McFly, is anyone home? Are you listening? But then scripture steps in in a brand new, divinely inspired, God-breathed kind of way, and it tells us, hey, this is the truth about your marriage. This is the truth about your heart. This is the truth about your emotions. This is the truth about your feeling. And what you've been feeling and believing has been a lie, and you need to let the lie be torn down. And watch this. There's a few things wrong with your life, and they need to change. (laughs) You know why none of us likes to read the scriptures? Because none of us, none of us want to see what's wrong. I, I had a little spot on my head. I don't know what it was. I didn't know if mosquito. I said, Brooke, can you look at this spot? I was sitting in my recline. And she came around and she went to look and she stopped and she said, John, have you seen the top of your head lately? And I said, no, baby, I haven't. What are you telling She said, give me your phone. I still didn't get it. I deleted it, and I deleted it out of my deleted photos. That's how bad the truth hurt. She took a picture of the top of my head, and I'm not bending over this week to show you, because it hurts. And when she handed me that phone, I said, oh, oh no, oh, oh Lord have mercy. I said, I thought I made it, God. I thought I made it, God, I'm 44. Please don't let all my hair fall out. I got a funny looking little head, God. I said, oh God, oh. I didn't want to look at that picture. I deleted that picture. I cried about that picture and then I deleted it out of my deleted. And that's why we don't like reading the word. Because the word will show you what's wrong with your mouth. The word will show you what's wrong with your attitude. The word will show you what's wrong with your feelings. The word will show you what's wrong with how you treat people. The word will show you how you're operating. The the word will show. But then here's the best part about the word. It don't just condemn you. It don't just convict you. It don't just correct you. Then the word all of a sudden comes back and it says when it corrects us and teaches us when we are wrong, it can also teach us the ways of righteousness or what is right. And I love in some translation, it says also give us the power and the ability to do right. Don't just tell me I don't know how to put a roof on the house because I don't show me how to put this roof on here. Matter of fact, don't even just show me how to be a kids pastor. Give me the budget to be it. Give me the tools to do it. Give me the training that makes me adequate for it. God, don't just show me I don't know how to love my wife. Don't just show me I don't know how to balance my family. Don't just show me I don't know how to speak to people. God, teach me how to do it the right way and then give me the power and the ability from your righteousness to actually do it. That's the kind of God I need. So that's why I need his scripture daily, but that's not the end of it. That was just the recap. I said it wouldn't be long, but it was. I fell in love with the content. I can't help it. I love the message. After you read the scripture, here's the most important part. This is the part I've struggled in in all of my life. Observation. How many of you have ever heard of checklist Christianity? Checklist Christianity is, read my Bible today, check. Said my prayers today, same prayers I've been praying for 27 years, repeated them, now they've just gotten faster. (laughs) Anybody ever played your little podcast thing and and then you see a button over there that says times one? 
And when I was preaching like this, all of a sudden I started preaching like this, and then you hit times two, and then all of a sudden I started preaching like this, and then you can make it go fast so you can hurry up and listen to stuff that's really 32 minutes long in like seven minutes. <laughs> that's how my prayers, Lord, I thank you today. Would you bless my life, heal my marriage, keep it safe, in Jesus' name, amen. I would, read my Bible, God, check, said my prayers today, check, witnessed somebody today, check, led them in the center of salvation, check, paid my tithes this month. Brooke, did we pay our tithes this month? Yes. Check. I'm good. I'm right. All the time, missing the greater lesson of when you read that Bible, listen to this, Psalm 139, 23, and 24. <laughs> Take some time for observation. Search me, O God, know my heart. So I read it today about a guy taking time to teach another guy what the complications of Isaiah were saying. I said, okay, I know it, and you know I got a mind like a steel trap, and I got a photographic memory, I remember, and I can preach it, and I can recite it 10 years from now, it's all good, check. And the Lord said, no, why don't you think about if Rhonda Brown came up to you today and asked you a question, no matter if it's about Isaiah or if it was about serve teams, if it was about Wednesday night or stage designs or Charles's mother who's in the hospital, would you take the time to invest in that situation? Who? Not only did the word speak, now there's got to be a time of observation. Am, 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 search me, oh God. Know my heart, test me, know my anxious thoughts, my, my anxieties. Point out anything in me that offends you and then lead me in a path that'll guide me to everlasting life. Don't just, don't just, just don't walk out of here today and grab a reading plan and commit to a reading plan. Don't just get up tomorrow and say, I read Matthew 21 and 22, check. After you read it, make sure you gave some time there. How many of you know, and I'm not bragging, I don't, I don't say this self-right, I'm not being ugly at all. Yeah, I mean, morning, noon, and night. I don't care what your time is. My mind works the best. I'm a morning guy. I'm like one of them, I think they call them funny drag racing cars. Them ones that, I mean, I come, but when I hit that quarter mile mark, which is about 6.30, it's over, son. I'm wide open in the mornings and the evenings. I can't even think straight. I don't even know my name. I promise, I've been living with me for 44 years. I got it down. I like the mornings, but I also like hunting, and them blooming deer and duck make you get up real early. So that means if I'm going hunting at 6.30, I gotta be up at four o'clock, because I gotta have some time to read that Bible and let that Bible speak to me. And then I gotta make sure I didn't have just enough time to read the Bible and say, check, I read the Bible, and then I had some time for this thing to be observed meditate, set, marinate on it, soak on it, what did it actually say to me? And then sometimes when you get like Pastor Chad and you get real spiritual, see I slid that out, Jeff, I ain't just on you today, I'm gonna get on Pastor Chad too. How many of y'all love Pastor Chad and Jeff? Come on. I gotta pick on people that are my friends. Pick with. Pastor Chad, he gets up here every week, man, and he got a word. We get in the middle of, of worship, and he got some honey from the rock. Come on. 
He got some heavy revving. He got something he been studying on all week long. And I'm going to tell you where that comes from. That doesn't come from observing yourself. That comes from right here. That comes from when you read something in Matthew 21 and 22. You go, oh, he was reading the book of Isaiah. Well, I don't know if I've ever, is there a book called Isaiah? <laughs> well, who was Isaiah? What and then you reach over and you grab that little, that little marker that we, we put on our Bibles in the old days so you would know what Isaiah was and where it was. You grab it and you flip it over and you do this. Acts chapter 17, verse 10. That very night, the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. When they arrived there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. And the people of Berea were more noble and open-minded than the people of Thessalonica. And they listened intently and eagerly to Paul's message as he preached the gospel. Then when Paul left, they went and they searched the scriptures day and night to see if those things that Paul and Silas were preaching and teaching them were true. You don't just let the word search you. You go search the word to find out what the history is, the backstory is, the context is. Why did they get that miracle? What led up to that imprisonment? How did this occur? When did that occur? What was the time? You got to make sure that you got some time in your devotional time to actually start with the Bible and then observe the Bible while the Bible observes you because you don't read the scriptures, Chris. Say it. The scriptures read you. And then after you start with scripture and you have a time of observation, I'm expecting all the wives in here right now to give me a standing ovation, to give God a standing ovation. I'm going to tell every one of your husbands, including me, you don't get brownie points for just reading it. You don't get brownie points for just searching it out and letting God search you. You get brownie points when the change is made and the rubber meets the road and it really turns into application. Okay, well that ain't go over real good with the ladies. I'm gonna get a standing ovation from the men. All you ladies, don't just do your little first five and listen to Lisa Turkhurst and go through your little Beth Moore and read about it and observe it. After you read and observe it, if you're working on patience with your husband, if you're working on being balanced in your marriage, if you're working on fine, let the rubber meet the road and let there be some application to what you're investing in and what God's trying to invest in you. All right, all right, all right. Me and the men, we homies. Me and the men, we boys. Psalm 51, I love this. Here's what David said. David, listen, David is the king. Context. Context is king. And now we're going to talk about King David and the context of him being king. He's arisen. He's the ruler. He's got the city of David. He's got the united 12 tribes. I mean, David is living the dream. He got the family business and he don't even go to work. Other people running the business better than he can run the business. Joab goes out in a time of war and David is up there walking on the rooftops and he sees another man's wife coming off her purification period and she's taking a bath on the roof of her house. And because David's house is bigger than everybody's house, he can see down on his roof and he didn't need to be looking on her roof. And he said, I think I'll take that. And they said, well, she's got a husband. He said, I think I'll have him killed. And then all of a sudden, the word of God walks into his life one day and says, you took that man's wife and you killed him and God would have given you everything and you already had it all. And David, David, at that moment, 
after the scriptures had been observed in his life, he made a decision in Psalm 51. He said, the rubber's got to meet the road. Now it's time for a major change in my life. There's got to be some application. He said, oh God, created me today a clean heart. Renew your loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me, God, from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of salvation and make me willing to obey you. What? It was a beautiful prayer until that point. What he prayed at that point, what he stated at that point is I will no longer drive the ship. I'm moving over to the co-passenger seat and God, now you're gonna drive the ship and I'm gonna obey what you tell me to do. The rubber's gotta hit the road. None of us will walk that out perfectly, but it does not mean that we should not perfectly attempt to walk it out. I'm gonna say that one more time. None of us may walk it out perfectly, but it does not mean we should not attempt to walk it out perfectly. It's hard to love people when they curse you. Doesn't mean we shouldn't attempt to walk it out. Then I will teach. Whoo, this is what I get fired up. <laughs> you done got me. You done cut me, convicted me, broke me. <laughs> now you're healing me and you done fixed my walk. <laughs> and he's like, who can I go tell about you? <laughs> I'm going to go to CR and I'm going to teach some other people who have been rebels <laughs> to return to your truth. I'm going to start me a life group. I'm going to find somebody messed up, tore up, broke up, bound up, locked. I'm going to find somebody else hurt, bitter. I'm going to find somebody else mad. I'm going to find somebody else in some dire situation like I was in. And I'm going to show them that through the inspiration of your word, the searching of your scriptures in my heart, the application of your word in my life, that all things can be made new, that restoration is a part of your plan, that they can have a future and a purpose and a destiny in and with the remainder of their life. David said, let me add them, God. I'm going to go teach them about you. And here's what we know about David. He is said to be the greatest king of all of Israel. He ruled over the United Tribes. And God said, he's a man after my own heart. You know, God didn't say he was a murderer. God didn't say he was an adulterer. He, may, he was a murderer. He was an adulterer. God just said, he's a man after my heart because after his murder, after his adultery, his heart was tendered to the heart of God and he moved away from his hard heart to God's heart. I, I, I know it's long and late. I'm going to go. I promise. I'm going to go. For those of you who ever tried to contact me on Facebook through Messenger, I, I have accounts, Instagram and Facebook, but they're, they've not been active in almost a year and a half, year and four months, something like that. I don't, I don't have the apps on my phone. The church, I just, it's just, it takes up a lot of time. And I, right around Christmas, we were posting a lot, so I reinstated them. And I'd sold one of the kids' four-wheelers, needed marketplace, put it back on there for a little bit. So I'm going to make a statement. I'm not a big Facebook poster. And, and in a week or two, I'm sure I won't be on there anymore, so don't look for the post to continue. But this morning, I, I, I put up a little post out of my morning reading about just how astonished I am over my 20 years of being Christian, how the sinner's heart is so much softer to the things of God than the seasoned saint that's known God the longest. I'm not saying being a sinner and being wrong and freshly coming to God is better. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying I think some of our seasoned saints that have known God the longest need to guard the sensitivity of their hearts because 
Religion has a way of hardening you. People have overthrown kingdoms. People have murdered people. People have destroyed homes, all in the name of religion. And it just burdens me that those of us that say we know the Lord the most or the longest would have the hearts that are the farthest from Him. You say, what's that got to do with the price of tea in India in this message? As we're just talking about that word, finding application in our lives, I just don't think no matter how long we've served God, we ever outgrow letting the word be applied to our lives. You just, it don't matter if you're on day one or if you're on day 101 or if you're on day 4001, the word's still got to be finding its way into areas of our lives. Amen or roll me. Pastor Chad, would you, would you come? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to land the plane because we've got some ministry we want to do for you today and in you today other than just worship and, and other than just preaching, which all that's great. Uh, while we're waiting on Pastor Chad here for just a moment, this, this gentleman here is Mr. Jeff Cage. He's a real special man in this wheelchair here with a red shirt. If you need somebody to put on your prayer list this week, pray for Jeff. Jeff's in a battle for his life with his health, with his lungs and COPD, and, and, and I believe in prayer. How many of you believe in the power of prayer? And Jeff looks better than he did last week, but, but I want y'all to pray for Jeff this week, okay, man? And we're going to see, we're going to see God's provision in Jeff's life. Amen? Amen. Speaking of prayer, I want to answer the P and the SOAP, an acronym here. <clears throat> Talking about a new habit. Talking about a habit of making time for God's word in your life. I've shown you doctrinally, case in point. The scripture's full of God's daily provision. The son speaks it, conscience speaks it, scripture speaks it. Will you get up and make the investment to look for it? It can be in a men's group, a women's group, by yourself, a devotional. It can be in the mornings. It can be in the evenings. It can be in the middle of the day. It can be in a coffee shop. It can be three times a week. There's no wrong place to start. There's no wrong place to start. Today is the day. Today is the day. You just make a decision to start. You start with Scripture. After you spend some time in Scripture, observe it. Let it observe you. Then, then, then find where it has application. How many of you know, we all know a lot of people that talk it, but the guys that really stand out, and I could name three or four of them in this room that stick out to me, they mean something to me, they walk it. They walk it. Here's how you end that time every morning. You end it with a time of prayer. I love this scripture. (laughs) Isaiah promises at the end of his message, his message of judgment, his message of condemnation, his, his message of God's angry. He tells the children of Israel, listen, if you'll just turn your hearts, if you'll just repent and come back to the Lord, the Lord's arm is not like Pastor John arm, John's arm. It's not too weak to save. But most importantly, his ear is not too deaf to hear. You know, you know God can't hear if you're not speaking you say oh he knows my heart he does but there's something about speaking the Bible says I believe so therefore I spoke going to God in prayer isn't as much about a daily repetition 
as it is about a daily dependence in a relationship. See, many of us used to run to booze. Many of us used to run to drugs. Many of us used to run to addictions. Many of us used to run to money. Many of us used to run all these different hiding places, all these different coping mechanisms, all these different healing, all these different things that soothed us and fulfilled us. But God says, I am the rock higher than all. You can run to me. You can hide in me. I am your shelter. I am your deliverer. I'm your strong tower. I'm your hiding place. Don't run to that. Run to me. Say, so, well, I don't know how to pray. I'm so glad you said that. You ready for this? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Come on, help me. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth today as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us. Lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from the evil one, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Beautiful prayer, right? Easy to pray, easy to recite. So many of us have it memorized. Can I, can I pitch an idea at you? I don't think Jesus is ever going to be mad if you pray that prayer. That's not what I'm saying. Let's not twist the scriptures. But I also want you to know this is a model for prayer. Jesus said, when you go to the Father, begin by exalting Him, begin. Hallowed, holy, powerful, great is your name. The Bible says you go into His gates. You ever wonder why churches have worship first? You ever wonder why when you walk in here and you're depressed and you're angry and you're upset and y'all was fighting in the car and the kids didn't want to get dressed, they didn't wear the shoes, you told them where you walk in here and Pastor Chad is like, Whoa! the music loud and it's hot and we're like jumping and shouting because the Bible says we've got to combat that atmosphere, that energy, that attitude you just came out of because the Bible says you go into his gates with praise you go into his gates with Thanksgiving forget about the fight at Starbucks forget about the boss this week let all that junk go get up in the presence of God transcend this earth into the heavens enter his gates with praise enter his courts with Thanksgiving when you go to God that's a model for prayer you go to God and you honor him you you hallow it his name listen to this and then when you pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. <laughs> Here's what you're saying. Bring my life, my heart, my mind, my marriage, my children, our home, our business, our mind. Bring it into alignment with the kingdom of heaven. All these things I've been trying to do, get off track, pursue this, that, chasing this. God, bring all that right back in alignment today. After you hallowed and honored God's name and after you pray for alignment, just come back and give him thanks. Lord, I thank you for this day and I thank you for your daily bread, your provision. But God, I, 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 you've done so much. I just want you to know I've messed up. I, re I repent right now. Forgive me of my sins. But check this out. God, I also need some help because some folks have messed me over and I need some help forgiving them. And Lord, most importantly, when I go out today like the prayer of Jabez, Deliver me from evil means don't let the enemy attack my life. May, may your angels surround about me. May they keep me that I would dash not my foot against the stone. May I be hidden under the shadows of the Almighty. I have made my refuge in my home in the Lord. Lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from evil. This is you praying God's hedge of protection around your life. So if you don't know how to pray, just start with honoring God. Just pray for divine alignment with God in your life. Just thank God. Repent to God. Ask for the power to forgive other people and request His protection.
His angels to be assigned over you.